Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. How's everybody doing today? Woo! I got a couple of people that are awake at this early service. I told Craig, that's the guy who plays keys, when we were standing over there right before he carried this out, there's about a 70% chance at some point I trip over this bag as much as I like to walk. I told him my only hope is, is that when I fall, there's two things. One, I want to stay on the stage. And two, I hope I fall out of the camera shot so that we can't ever have it on video. Um, but man, I'm excited to be up here today. There's some really cool things in the next couple of weeks and going into the summer that are happening here at Generations Church. The first is that next Sunday, we are having our family ministry day. And so if you've never been here when we've done one of those, which is probably likely, man, they're a ton of fun. Um, It's going to be a blast next Sunday. When you show up, there's going to be kids and students in the lobby helping serve. There's going to be a ton of great things. Pastor Aaron, our family ministry's pastor, he's going to be speaking next Sunday. But here's the thing. If you have kids, make sure they're here because it's going to be a ton of fun for them. But even if you don't have kids, next Sunday's the day, like it's the most important that you show up. And here's why. When those kids are standing at the door and they're welcoming you and greeting you and helping you and serving you, They want you here because it means the world to them to be able to serve you. And what we want from you is we want you here and smile at them and thank them and tell them how awesome they're doing because it's going to make their day. And we want to teach kids that a part of following after Jesus is to have a servant's heart and to serve others. And serving others is a part of who we are. And we want to ingrain that mentality and that heart into the kids. And we want them to know that, that we can live for something more than just ourselves. And so come next week, let them serve you, let them help you. They may accidentally close the door in your face. They don't mean to, they're learning. It's just gonna be a ton of fun. So be here next week as we do that. And then the following Saturday, May the 8th, we are having a ladies brunch for all the ladies in the room. It's the day before Mother's Day. Fathers, don't forget Mother's Day's coming May 9th. But May 8th, we're going to have a brunch here at the church. Ms. Corey's done an unbelievable job of preparing for this, getting it ready. The food's going to be amazing. Um, I'm going to try to figure out a way to kind of sneak in, maybe run media or something so I can eat a little bit of food. But the, the day that she's put together... It just sounds incredible. She's done a great job. So, so be here. Invite a friend. Invite your mom. Invite your daughter. Invite a cousin. Invite a grandma. Whoever you want to. If you want to come by yourself, show up. It's just going to be a ton of fun, a great morning of fellowship. And then this summer, summer camps are coming and all the great things happening within family ministries and our summer schedule. So if you don't ever go to it, you need to go regularly to our church website under the events tab to see everything that's coming up. The easiest way to do that is to download the Church Center app on your phone, connect it to our church, and you can always see the upcoming events here at Generations Church. We've got some great things coming in the next couple weeks, and then I can't wait for the family ministry schedule for this summer. But Pastor Jeremy today is not here, obviously, because I'm standing on the stage. If you are disappointed, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it now. We're in it together. And so, but Pastor Jeremy has a really cool opportunity this morning to do something that he's never done in his life, his entire life that his dad has been in ministry. So Pastor Jeremy's father has been in ministry, Pastor Jeremy's entire life. 
But today, he has the very first opportunity ever to preach for the church that his dad's the pastor at. So he's doing that right now. I don't know exactly what time their service starts, but in the next couple of minutes, I would assume he's taking the platform for his dad at Lake Erie Church of God. And so he's up north, probably a little cooler there than it is here this morning. But I'm super excited for him to have this kind of once in a lifetime moment to be able to take the platform that his dad takes on a weekly basis. So I'm really excited for him. And I'm honored that in his place, I get to stand on this stage and present the gospel here at Generations Church. And so I'm super thankful for Pastor Jeremy and Ms. Corey for allowing me the chance to do that. When I was in middle school, I went on a missions trip to New Mexico. I actually went on a couple of them. Um, and we went out and we worked on the Navajo Indian Reservation. And it was such a cool trip, such an unbelievable kind of eye-opening experience for me when I was you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. The experience of kind of feeling like you were stepping into another country. And it was just, it was incredible. And we'd go out, we'd fly from Atlanta to Albuquerque, New Mexico. We'd go, we'd do ministry all week, and then we'd come back, we'd fly back home at the end of the week. And so one of the weeks that I went, my dad actually went with me. And he was one of the drivers, and so they dropped everybody off. He was kind of one of the chaperones, and they dropped everybody off at the airport, and they went and took the the rental vans back that we had rented for the week. And so I had my suitcase, and I had my dad's suitcase, and I was going to go, and we were going to go ahead and get in line with the rest of the adults and check our bags and make sure that way we can, then we can go, and everybody can go through security, and you know how it works at the airport. So we're there, and Pastor Jeremy talked a couple weeks ago about kind of the fear that you have when you're going to put your bag on the scale of you really hope you're under that 50 pounds. Because evidently, there's like $5,000 worth of difference between a bag that's 49 pounds and a bag that's 51 pounds, right? Because they want to just charge you an arm and a leg if it's just a little bit over. So there's always a little bit of anxiety when you get to that moment. So I put my dad's bag up, no problems. It's totally fine, good to go. I put my bag up, which remember, I've already flown from Atlanta to Albuquerque. So I knew like I bought a couple of small souvenirs, but nothing that was going to put me in jeopardy of being overweight. And I put my bag up and I don't remember the exact weight, but let's say it was like 60 pounds. Like I'm not even close. And I'm trying to think to myself, like I'm like, I'm a middle schooler. So there's a good chance my clothes are gross. And like, you know how middle schoolers are. Like the towels are just kind of wadded up and soaking wet. You know, you know, you get it. Moms get it. And so like, I was, I was like, well, maybe it's that's adding the extra weight. And I was like, maybe the scales broke. So I picked my bag up and then I set it back down. And again, like 60 pounds. I'm like, what in the world? Well, about this time, my dad walks back in from taking the rental cars and he walks up and he's kind of grinning and I don't really know why. And so I finally take my bag out because you have two options. Either you pay the overweight price or you readjust and you move things from one bag to the other. And I open my bag And my dad just laughs hysterically because in the top of my bag, he's placed rocks. There's a bunch of rocks. And I'm not talking like gravel. I'm talking like boulders. Like there are these massive rocks just sitting in the top of my suitcase. And he thinks it's hilarious. They're asking me, sir, did you pack your own bag? And I'm kind of freaking out because I thought I did, but now I don't know what's all in my bag. Am I going to get arrested? Like there's all kinds of things going through my head. I didn't think it was very funny. He thought it was real funny. And so obviously I don't fly home with the rocks. We, we leave the rocks in New Mexico where they belong, where they're still happy to this day. But today I want to talk to you about something connected to our baggage series that we're in that oftentimes we're carrying around things 
that don't necessarily belong to us. Today, I want to talk to you about carrying around unforgiveness. And really what unforgiveness is, and it's a lot of things, but if we can kind of boil it down to kind of one focus point today, unforgiveness is the things that we're carrying around that someone else did to us. It's not our stuff. It's not the thing. I didn't choose to do it, but someone else did it to me, and now I'm stuck carrying the bag. And I've got this bag, and it's heavy, Pastor Jeremy had a nice bag on wheels last week, but he took that on his trip. And so I had my wife bring me a bag this morning because I forgot that we went and didn't have one here. But today I want to talk to you about unforgiveness. And really what I want to talk to you about is how do we get to a place of rest? Because if we're carrying around these heavy bags, if we're carrying around the things that we can't forgive other people for, then we're going to start to get tired and we're going to start to get worn out and we're not going to be able to walk into the future that God has for us because of the things we're carrying around from our past. And so if we want to get to a place of rest, how do we do so? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, the words of Jesus, it says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's a story found in Genesis about two brothers. They were actually twins, Jacob and Esau. And if you don't know the story, I'll recap it really quickly. Esau was born before Jacob, literally just moments because they were twins. And so Esau is born, Jacob follows. And growing up in, the, the, in that day and age, in that culture, being the firstborn kind of gave you a leg up against the rest of your siblings. There were some special things, some extra things that you were going to be granted, that you were going to be able to be given, that your siblings weren't just because you were the firstborn. So one of those is the birthright. And so there was a moment in their life where Esau went out and he was famished. He was really hungry. He came back and Jacob said, well, if you'll give me your birthright, I'll give you a bowl of soup. Not a great trade, but Esau went through with it. And then later on in life, their father's starting to get old and, and sick, and, and he's blind, and he's nearing death. And so he tells Esau, hey, go out, you know, kill something, bring it back, create a big feast for me, and then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you your blessing. I'm nearing the end of my life. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you your blessing. And so Esau does this. But while he's gone, Jacob tricks his father into thinking that he's Esau, and he takes the birthright, or for, he takes the blessing from Esau. So now he's taken his birthright and his blessing. And look at what happens once Esau finds out about this. Genesis 27 verse 41. It says, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother, Jacob. So here's Esau, the older brother, doesn't have his birthright, doesn't have his blessing any longer. And he's angry. And he's so angry, in fact, that he's, he's to the point of murder. And so he says, hey, as soon as we're done with the mourning period after the death of my father, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob because of what he's done. Now, Jacob and Esau's mother, they, she catches wind of Esau's. She kind of always favored Jacob. I think he may have been a little bit of a mama's boy. And she always kind of favored Jacob. And so she goes to Jacob and says, hey, this is what your older brother's planning. I think you need to leave. You need to escape with your life. So he runs away. And so for 20 years, the next couple of chapters of scripture talk about what was taking place in the life of Jacob. 
And we look and we see that he finds a woman that he wants to marry and he has to work for his, for his future father-in-law for seven years. Then he tricks him and he marries another sister, which evidently was the older sister, which for some reason nobody wanted to marry, but now he had to. And then he gets to work for seven more years to then be able to marry the girl that he wanted to marry. And, and so he's gone for about 20 years. And there comes a moment where he has to go back and he has to face Esau. And he's scared. He's kind of tormented over what took place and what he did. And he, he remembers that the last thing 20 years ago that his brother said about him is that he wanted to kill him. And so he kind of puts this plan in action that when I go back and I see Esau, I'm going to kind of spread my family out so he can't wipe us all out at once. And I'm going to send a bunch of gifts ahead and a bunch of animals ahead so that he can have all these things to say like, hey, I come in peace. Take all of my stuff as your own. And then I'll come and I'll meet him. And look at what takes place in Genesis chapter 33, verse 1 through 9. It says, Jacob looked up, and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. Esau brought an army. Jacob goes, oh no, he's going to kill me. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother Esau. He's got to be thinking in this moment, like, this is it. This is when my brother is going to attack. But Esau ran to meet Jacob, and he embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him, and they wept. When Esau looked up and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? He asked. Jacob answered, They are the children God has graciously, graciously given your servant, referring to himself as Esau's servant. Then the female servants and their children approached and bowed down. Next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last of all, Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Esau asked, What's the meaning of all the flocks and herds I met? And Jacob replied and said, To find favor in your eyes, my Lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Now, the interesting thing about Scripture is we, we know what Jacob's doing in these 20 years, but we have no idea what's going on in the life of Esau during this time. We don't know what he's up to. We know that the last thing that Scripture talks about about Esau is that he's so angry because of losing his birthright and his blessing that he wants to kill his brother. And then 20 years later, his brother shows up anticipating that this is how my brother feels And he runs to him and he embraces him and he kisses him and he cries with him because he's so excited to see his brother. The only other place really that scripture talks about Esau is in Genesis 36. It kind of talks through the family lineage of Esau. And those are one of those, I mean, it's like this person begat this person, begat this person. It's one of those, like when you get to that chapter in your reading day, in your Bible reading plan, you're like, oh man, I just got to get through today, right? That's really the only other place that it talks about Esau. We don't know what he's doing for these 20 years. We have no idea how he got from a place of wanting to kill his brother to a place of loving his brother and receiving him back and being so excited to see him. I think oftentimes when I look at stories in Scripture, I try to place myself there. And I think like if I was, if I was Esau, I don't know that I would have like been that excited Like, I think I would have probably, if we're really honest, if I really kind of look at my own heart, I'd have probably held a grudge a little bit. Like, I think it would have been easy for Esau to wake up like the next week after Jacob's gone and just kind of mope around. Like, I feel like we could have named him like Eeyore instead of Esau. Like, woe is me. I don't have my birthright. Like, hashtag not blessed, right? 
like a couple weeks later, he's having like a meal with some friends and he's like, yeah, like my life's pretty miserable. Like I don't have my birthright and I don't have a blessing. Like I'm living unblessed, guys. Like I feel like it would have been really easy for him to have kind of gone through life with this mentality that everything's been taken from me and he could have gone through his entire life and he could have still been carrying that bag when he met Esau 20, or Jacob 20 years later saying, I still carry around the fact that you stole all this from me. I still carry this unforgiveness. Jacob, I still haven't forgiven you for what you did to me. And for 20 years, he could have carried around that bag of this person did this to me. And I'm just going to hold on to this baggage of unforgiveness. But he didn't. And so if you and I have very similar situations and not identical, like I don't know of anybody these days that like has a birthright taken from them. I don't know of anybody that's had their blessing stolen, but you and I have things that happen to us that other people do to us. And so if we're going to be like Esau and we're going to move from a place of unforgiveness into forgiveness, how do we do that? And so today I want to look at kind of three steps to setting down the baggage of unforgiveness with you. There's three things that I'm going to look at, and there's a bunch of other things, and, and this may not work for every single person in this order, but this is kind of where we're going to go for the remainder of our time today. And the first step to setting down the bag of unforgiveness is that we first must acknowledge that we have it. You first got to admit that it's there. Like you got to admit that there's some things that someone did to you in your past that you're still carrying. There's some hurts there. There's some lies there. There's some things that have taken place in your life by someone else's doing that you still hold on to. I met with someone on Thursday and we were talking and they asked me what this coming Sunday looked like. And I actually was like, well, I'm actually preaching. I talked him through what I was preaching on. And he said, man, that's so good. He said, like a month and a half ago, I was driving down the road and I was just asking God, like, God, reveal something in me that I haven't seen that's there before. And he said, God just kind of revealed in my life that I had some unforgiveness towards my mom that I had never dealt with from some things that had happened in my childhood. And this is like a 55-year-old man. He's like, there were some things in my childhood that I've been just carrying around about my mom. He said, I love my mom. We have a great relationship. Like he said, my, my childhood was amazing. He said, but there were a couple of things that I'd just been holding on to. And he said, I had to pull over. And he said, I'm crying on the side of the road. People driving by probably thought I had a nervous breakdown. He said, but I sat there and he said, I dealt with that unforgiveness. And I was like, man, that's so good. Like, 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 how do we all get to that place? And I think that the first thing, and it's the thing that he did, is that we have to admit that it's there. We have to acknowledge that it's there. Now, let me pause out of my notes for a moment and jump into this. I'm going to go ahead and spoiler alert. I'm going to tell you the next two things we're going to talk about. The next two things are we got to forgive and then we got to release. But let me talk to a group of people real quick. There's some of you in the room that the only step you're going to be able to take today is the acknowledge step. I recognize that. There's, there's some people in the room that the hurts that you're carrying around, the things that you have to acknowledge are there, are really, really heavy. I recognize that there might be abuse in the room, physical or verbal. I recognize that there might be some deep-seated, heavy hurts that, you, that you're just not ready to forgive yet. And I want you to know that that's okay. 
I want you to know that I don't want you to just tune out the rest of this because you're like, yeah, you don't know what happened in my life. You don't know what he did to me. I'm not ready to forgive, and that's okay. But today, if that is you, I want you to acknowledge in your heart that you've got some baggage, that you've got some things that you're carrying around. And the first step that you can take today is that you, you recognize that it's there. I was reading some statistics this week, and it said that one in four women will, will experience in their lifetime some type of physical or verbal abuse. I read another statistic that around 20,000 calls are made on a daily average to the National Abuse Hotline. And so I recognize that sitting in a room with this many people, that there are people that that's your story. And if that's your story, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it happened to you. But you got to acknowledge that it's there because you can't go through life carrying it forever. God wants different for you. You got to get to a place eventually where you can forgive and you can release it. But the first step that you got to take is you got to acknowledge. And so here's the other thing I want you to know. At our information center and at the giving station, there's a, there's a page, an eight and a half by 11 stack of papers. That's a, that's a reference sheet from our church that we would love for you to have. That's a list of of different, um, different people, different counselors that we refer that are Christian counselors, that if you have some things that are deep-seated hurts in your life, that we'd love for you to get with somebody. And so we have that out there. You can go to the information to get one. If you want to be a little more discreet over at the giving station, you can walk over, you can grab one, you can fold it, you slide it in your paper. Nobody's got to know. But you got to acknowledge that you're carrying around a bag, that those hurts that someone gave to you you got to get to a place where you can forgive it. And that may include walking a journey. The second thing, the second step to setting down our bag of forgiveness that some of us today can take and some of us in the future can take, but it is to forgive. We got to get to a place after we acknowledge we're carrying the bag, we got to get to a place where we can forgive the person that did the wrong to us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. For those of us in the room that, that claim to be a Christian, that are followers of Jesus, it is our duty, it's our responsibility as a Christian to take the forgiveness that God extended to us through Jesus dying on the cross and extend that forgiveness to others. And so if we're called to forgive others as Christ forgave us, then I think it's our duty to do so. And so once we acknowledge, we have to get to a place where in our heart we can truly forgive. Where we can truly say, I forgive them. And here's the deal. I'm not saying that you got to call every person that you're holding baggage of right now. It's not about telling them. It's about in your heart. In some situations, yeah, it's appropriate to tell them, hey, I forgive you. If it's your spouse, yeah, you need to have that conversation. But if it's someone that hurt you in your past, forgive them in your heart and leave it in the past. You don't have to track down the girl that broke your heart in middle school. You don't have to track down the guy who picked on you when you were in the 10th grade, right? Forgive them and leave it back there. 
But we got to get to a place, for some of us, it might be as soon as today that we can say, man, I've been carrying around this, and I didn't even realize it. But I recognize it now, and so I'm going to acknowledge that it's there, and then I'm going to release it. I'm going to, I'm going to forgive them. And then the third and the final step is that we are going to release it. Imagine if Jacob would have walked up after 20 years of seeing his brother, and his brother would have tried to have go through with what he had said he wanted to do 20 years ago. Imagine if he had really carried around that baggage for that long. Imagine if he showed up and he still had that much anger and that much resentment towards his brother. If you and I would have been standing there as bystanders to this and he shows up and he's still so angry that he wants to kill his brother, you and I would have probably told him, man, you got to let it go. It's been 20 years. Like, I get he stole your blessing. I get he took your birthright. But you got to release it. You've been carrying that for 20 years. Like, man, you, you should have set that down years ago. Imagine what it would have been like if he would have still been carrying it. When you came in, there was a bag tag on your seat. I want you to take that bag tag. This is something that if you were traveling, you would write your name on it and your address so that if you lost it or maybe your phone number or something and you would tie it to the handle of your bag. You probably have one attached to your suitcase that's a whole lot fancier than that one. But it's a bag tag. And here's what I want you to do with that. I'm going to assign you some homework today. I want you to think about whose baggage are you still carrying? The unforgiveness that you have in your heart. Who does that bag tag belong to? Whose bags are it? Are they? Who does it belong to? Whose is it? The stuff that you're carrying are the decisions of someone else. Yes, you were a part of it. Yes, it involved you. But it was their choice. And you're stuck with the rocks in your suitcase, right? You're stuck with the weight and the burden to drag it around. And maybe you've been dragging it for years. And it's so heavy. And it's weighing you down. Who's the bag belong to? And here's what I want you to do with that bag tag. Maybe it's right now. You know exactly whose name needs to go on it. Maybe you got to pray about it this afternoon and you write one this afternoon. Maybe it kind of pops in your head on your drive into work on Thursday. But I want you to write a name on that bag tag. Who's the bag belong to? This is the person that I've never been able to forgive. And here's what you got to do with that. You got to forgive them and you got to release it. And so for different people, that's going to look different. For some of you, you can write a name on that this afternoon and you can say, God, I forgive them right now in the name of Jesus. And you can fold it and you can throw it away. Some of you, maybe you need to sit down and maybe it is a spouse. And you write their name down and you say, hey, we need to have just a conversation. And you wait till the kids go to bed and you sit at the kitchen table and you say, hey, I just want you to know I've got some unforgiveness because of an argument you and I had last month that I've just been carrying. You said something, it hurt. I want you to know I forgive you and I love you and you fold it and you throw it away. 
Some of you, maybe you take it to your G group and you say, I'm really struggling through this and I just, I want you to surround me and I want you to pray with me that I can get to a place of forgiveness and then you fold it and you throw it away for some of you. You're gonna have to take that bag tag and you're gonna have to sit in the office of a counselor and you're gonna have to say, there's a story that I've been trying to bury my whole life but I'm still carrying the stupid baggage. And I'm tired of carrying it. And I gotta get to a place where I can set it down. And I wrote a name on a card because a pastor told me to. And I can't keep carrying this card around anymore. So I gotta get to a place where I can forgive them. So I can fold this piece of paper and I can burn it, I can shred it, I can throw it away. If a year from now, you're still holding on to the bag tag, then that's not the point. The point's not to keep it. The point's not to hold on to it to remember. No, the point is to write it, to have it as a symbol, to say, I got to get rid of this because I can't keep carrying around the baggage of unforgiveness. first got to acknowledge that it's there and then you got to get to a place where you can forgive and then you got to let it go and you walk into the freedom of the future that God has for you with every head bowed with every eye closed First, if you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, I want to extend that opportunity today. If you're in this room and you would say, God, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, I just want you to lift your hand and you can put it right back down. Thank you. Secondly, if you're in this room and you would say, yeah, I've got some baggage. I've got some baggage of unforgiveness that I'm carrying. I've got some hurts from my past. I've got some things that I've never truly fully dealt with that I recognize that I am just carrying around some heavy stuff. And I got to get to a place of forgiveness and I got to get to a place of releasing it. If you'd say that's you today, just lift your hand. A bunch of hands. Thank you. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I pray right now for any person that's in this room that might currently be going through abuse. God, I pray that you would give them boldness and courage to get out. God, I would pray that they would know that they, they deserve better and they are worthy of being treated like the son or daughter of God that they are. And so, God, I pray that you would allow them to find people in their life that can surround them, that can lift them up and give them the courage to get out, to no longer endure because they deserve better. God, I pray for people right now that are carrying around baggage. God, it's really, really hard to deal with past hurts and past pains, but God, I pray that in only the way your Holy Spirit can step in, that God, you step in, you intervene, and you give people the ability to, with boldness and courage, step forward into a journey 
of that, that leads them towards forgiveness and releasing it. God, it leads them towards a season of life where they can rest, where they can get to a place where they can walk in the freedom of knowing that they don't have the bag of unforgiveness any longer. And so God, I pray that we would acknowledge whose name's on the bag tag. God, I pray that we would then get to a place, whether it's soon or whether it's a journey with friends, with a G group, with a counselor, or whatever it may be, God, that we would get to a place of forgiveness and we would release it. God, do what only you can do in our hearts and in our lives. God, we love you. God, we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.